to hear your word, to be blessed by your word, to know your holy word. We thank you, Lord, for your spoken word. We thank you for your um, <clears throat> written word. We thank you, Lord, for your rhema word that's written on our hearts. We bless you for that, Lord, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to talk about the prosperity of the righteous. The prosperity of the righteous. And we get a good understanding of that concept because there are some scriptures related to the benefits of, of things that happen when the righteous prosper. <clears throat> you know that prosperity is kind of a long road sometimes, a true prosperity. Um, many of us have lived a life outside of God and then we find the Lord. Got to be retrained, retaught, we're, we're redeemed, we're bought back. But the fullness of that life comes to us as we walk with God, as we're renewed in our minds. We have to think differently. We have to have that spirit in the mind of uh, that quickening to our minds, uh, the mind of Christ uh, that knows all things and can believe all things and expect all things. And so there is a process that, that we must walk and, and there's a, um, I think, a daily walk with God and then there is a an inheritance that we receive. Uh, you can't just grab an inheritance. It has to be conferred upon you through the blessing. And so there is a process here. And, and so if we will uh, have patience with ourselves and have patience with God in the process, we'll understand where we're at. At no time are you without the basics of life God is not ordained if that's if that's your situation you're being robbed and when you're robbed you have authority that you can use to to put the robber in a, in arrest in arrest mode and get rid of that so there is no no such thing as God not wanting you to have the things that you need for life and for godliness and they do go hand in hand as far as God's concerned so uh, we we need to understand the benefits of of God prospering His people. He wants us to prosper for specific reasons, and He's ordained that for us uh, that He might have a people down here who are equipped to every good work. So when we talk about the word prosperity. It's from the uh, 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 Hebrew word. Well, you'll see words in the Hebrew and the Greek in that language. But the the concept is consistent throughout Scripture. And prosperity, really, uh, the the Hebrew word for that is shalom. There is another word that's similar to it that's used sometimes in the Old Testament. But it really means to be happy, complete and happy. It's not happy with a comma happy but or happy if I could just have this but to be entire whole complete and happy in every way it means to have rest and that's a very important concept because part of the curse of the broken law was labor heavy labor sweat of your brow and not getting much 
for it. So the earth was against you, but in shalom, the earth you uh, the earth works for you. It becomes uh, your servant and that kind of thing. That word also means safety, and and you can have riches, but if you got to sit up there with a gun watching the front door all day, that's not going to do you much. You got me. And and if you're afraid, if you put it into a certain stock, that it's going to tank, or you know the economy's not right for certain things, um, that that that's not good. And so safety really means the total of your possessions, including your physical man. It also in a sense means health. If you can't have health with all of this it doesn't do you any good. So really when you look at the word prosperity what God means in prospering goes way beyond uh, material possessions. The things that you possess. In fact you have to be possessed of him to, to reside in this way. As you know for yourself. Bad news about anything can make you very unhappy very quickly. And the devil knows that and that's why he'll pick certain people that he can just disturb that way. You know just because he can. He knows it works. We need to trick him sometimes and just remain peaceful in spite of everything that's coming at us. You know, you don't have to react to things. You can make a decision not to go there. You don't have to have your whole day upset and worry and fear and all that kind of stuff just because you get bad news. You've got good news residing in you at all times. You have an answer to everything that the enemy wants to bring to you to disturb your peace. Also means wholeness and to be at peace. So rest, peace, health, wholeness. Wholeness means that you don't have any vague worries out there. There are no what ifs. You're not waiting for a warrant to be served on you. And you're not you know, in fear of anything like that. You have a court date hanging over your head. That kind of thing. It means to be whole, entire, and complete. You're not waiting on uh, 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 the, the, the one to come into your life to complete you. You got me? You are complete and entire. Now that doesn't mean you won't have a grand old time when they show up. You got me? It just gets better. But it's not you're not longing for something to come into your life to make you happy or to make you complete. So when God comes into our lives, he prospers us and he means for us to live in this state of contentment. If we don't live in that state of contentment, then we just need to look to God so that he can help us see that these things are available to us and that we can possess them uh, in reality for in a truth. They don't have to be a confession or a faith statement. You actually possess those things. You just have to know how to lock into that and stay in that realm where it's available to you. It also means to be safe in mind body and estate e-s-t-a-t-e estate that word estate actually means and and these are different definitions of it it can mean your social standing and your rank remember that we still have a world that we got to live in and uh, uh, your estate can, can include those things especially of a high order so our estate as as children of God is royalty. Amen. See, we're a royal priesthood. We're, we're working royalty. 
got me? Priesthood is working. Royalty is, is your level of authority. So you have the highest level of authority as a child of God, but yet you are a minister and a servant in that authority realm. You're not just sitting there eating grapes and giving orders to somebody else to run your errands for you. You're a working uh, royalty. So we are a royal priesthood. I know people are going around with teachings about, yeah, well, we, well, we haven't touched into the, the royalty yet. We know the priesthood. That's so stupid. You don't separate them. How are you going to separate that? If you're functioning in something that God gives you, you function at all levels. You don't. You, you might think you don't because you don't think the way God wants you to think. But you can't uh, function as a priest in God's kingdom without having the kingly anointing there too. How do you think you, you take authority over the devil? You take it because you are a, a, a king. You have that status down here on this earth. Because you're, you're uh, the king of kings lives in you. And you're using his power and his authority to do these things. That's, that's part of righteousness. See when you know who you are and you understand righteousness you'll understand all of these things. You're not just some person that's a lowly priest. And I don't know if a priest is a lowly. That's not a lowly office either. That's a high office. I don't get these people. You know, they, and what The problem is they hear somebody else's teaching and then they get a fragment of it and run off with it. Half cocked and want to make money off of it like they saw the other guy do. Get your own message from God. And maybe he'll give you full understanding of something. So that you can have peace. <laughs> Shalom. <laughs> but it means to be safe in mind, body, and the state. The state being uh, uh, your social, social rank. We said that. Especially of a high order. It means to be vested with distinct power so that power is vested in you that means it's never taken away now it may go dormant and you can walk away from it and not use it but it's vested there for your use your estate also is your interest in property possessions and material wealth so there we have a partial answer and I think that's the one everybody grabs onto because in our carnal thinking that's the one that we go for most. But these things come with a certain status implied that you understand there's a new identity that's come into your life. That you live in this new identity and this new identity is what entitles you to these things. It's like a package deal. You know, if you got married to Donald Trump, that name, once you put put that name behind your first name, everything else changes in your life. Suddenly, every door is open. Suddenly, I mean, it's it's your identity now. And if you don't know how to adopt a new identity in God, you'll always be trying to prove who you are. You know, just clawing at things and scrapping for everything. And, and, you know, it's it's sad. It really is. Because you can have a rest in your identity as a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And what you're resting in that identity, then the rest of it becomes easy for you. It's not hard for you. You don't have to strive for anything. You don't have to defend yourself against the accusations of the devil all day long. You're, you know who you are. 
and you operate in it and that's the most important part of any identity do you operate in that identity or do you want to shrink back from it you know there's something something inherently wrong there with people who say they're royalty but then they act like paupers or they act like people that you know are scrounging for things is is something's not right there something's not right something's missing and so there's that wholeness that has to be inherent in your your prosperity and your peace there there should be a wholeness there that you you know who you are and you act like that person and you're that person at all times you know you don't find yourself on an off day where you go back to being uh, a sinner in your mind or somebody who doesn't quite know who they are or somebody who wonders how God feels about them all that stuff that's not the prosperity God's talking about there's no wholeness there and so when you are made complete and whole you know who you are all the time all the time and you're not falling off the the uh the wagon and you know taking a powder and um i get sick of being everybody's pastor all the time i just want to go on vacation you don't have stuff like that in your brain you know you wake up someplace you're not supposed to be you keep thinking like that so that person does not have the prosperity of god and people may have great material wealth some people know how to tap in to the right flow of things to keep money coming in and keep all those things coming in but but unless you really know who you are all the time it'll be a a snare to you the thing that you 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 rely on as a comfort will become a snare it also means to be safe in mind body and estate it means to have rest restitution made to you and to have things restored to you what's been taken from us we've had everything stripped you know the condition of the human soul without God you know there are some people who can't face a day without uh, smoking something they're not supposed to smoke or drinking something or snorting something you know that kind of thing that depravity of mind that fragility of mind that that's not what's there for a child of God you have soundness in your mind you're not craving anything that you can't say no to you know and that includes me and my Twinkies, you know, and that kind of stuff. <laughs> you say no to it, at least for a couple minutes, <laughs> and it talks back to you. So I said, come bite me. I said, no. I said, come. Oh, well, you all get my, you get my point. Huh? It's funny, a carrot will never talk to you like that. You don't get no back talk from a carrot or a celery or whatever right <laughs> they don't talk back them twinkies is aggressive man they, well whatever so we move on but it needs to make restitution to end put an end to certain things you know you you, you have a decision ability in you to cut off certain things and just not deal with them anymore you know and that includes the Twinkie talking back you understand what I'm saying we have the authority in us we have the authority to complete and finish things and that's wonderful when you think about what the righteous are called to do 
you know, to put an end to oppression, to put an end to uh, um, abuse, to put an end to starvation in certain countries and areas. All that we have that authority as people of peace and people of prosperity. We have the ability to put an end to certain things, to make good certain things, and to reward. All of this comes with prosperity. There's there's great authority and governing power there if we'll see it that way. To just think about lining your pockets is so pathetic. When you think about what's included, what God has included and what he has done for us as, as righteous prosperous people. You know everything that's there, and so there there's a mandate there to for the body of Christ to understand this and to explore it and make use of it uh, for God and for the gospel. Also, in prosperity, that definition includes quietness. That you have the authority to bring an end to certain disturbances. You can bring it into wars, all of those things. <clears throat> so, in order to understand the prosperity of the righteous, we need to understand also what the righteous are after. What are the goals of righteous people in this earth? One of our goals comes from Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. And this is a primary goal. You saw this in the ministry of Jesus, you saw this in the ministry of the disciples, you saw, you see this. Uh, uh, mandate on the church now Acts 10.38 and it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power he anointed him with the Holy Ghost and power and this is what the Holy Ghost and power led him to do. He went about. And that means everywhere he went. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And so this gives you an understanding of why we're prospering. We're prospering to advance a kingdom against another kingdom. In other words, we are prospered for war. And we're prospered to win and be on the winning side of this eternal battle between good and evil. So we're to go about doing good. We're equipped by God to go about doing good and healing the oppressed. What oppressed? Anybody that's oppressed. All who are oppressed of the devil. Because God is with you as a righteous person. He's with you as a person who's had restoration. He's with you as a person who is whole and complete and entire. Lacking nothing. Lacking no good thing. Lacking no ability. Lacking no. uh, There's no stopping on what you have. I can remember when I I first began uh, as a believer. I first began studying the word and desiring to serve God and wanting to please God. And I can remember feeling so small and and insignificant and so um, 
ignorant, not knowing what to do and, and that kind of stuff. And I can remember God quickly showing me what was in me by putting me in situations where I had to use it. You know, first I tell people this about the Bible studies I had. I I knew people that I knew had Bible studies. They had a lot of little middle-aged, really sweet women in there that that would pray and everything. And and I had a Bible study, and I had some ladies in there, and one of them was a witch. And you know, she would challenge me and manifest on me. And I said, "Well, come on, God, what happened to the little ladies that pray and bring cookies and donuts and make coffee? And you know, if you drank coffee in there, you you were just doing it." At your own risk, because you know what would leap off next. Pastor Shirley would sit there and just watch. <laughs> she said, "I just didn't know what to do, so I just was watching." I love you. But see, there's an anointing that comes upon you, and if you know how to obey God and work with it, you find it's there. And it's not this there once or twice, but it's there all the time if you keep yourself in position where God puts you. To be useful to him. You're either useful or you're not. You got me? You're either doing what you're supposed to do or you're not. And so it just seemed like it was there. I remember going to a ladies meeting. You know I I knew my Bible studies was hit. You know what I'm saying. I mean anything might show up there. And I, with the ladies meeting where I, God trained me how to how to do meetings. You know like we do. We, we do a lot of our meetings in public venues and stuff like that. That ter- takes a certain type of prayer and level of prayer and commitment from people and all that. And you know he was training me that way. And I had always been a hostess at these meetings and you had a table that sat about 10 ladies and you would sit there and give them all the materials and show them the prayer request thing and and I was doing that one time and all of a sudden this lady that seemed to be normal sat there and started sweating and jerking and slobbering at the mouth I'm going oh come on God not here too this is where I dress up and look nice you know all that kind of stuff and so these things happen because if you're when once God anoints you he wants you to use that anointing anointing to do what right here in Acts 10:38 to go about doing good not just sit your little bible study where you know anything goes but about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil and that lady was oppressed of the devil and God brought her there and sat her right next to me because he knew what I would do if she sat next to me. I'd take authority over that thing and free that lady up so she could go on and be a normal person. And so when, when you understand what you're here for and what you're to be about doing and, and be about the father's business, God will begin to draw you to the place where that anointing's to be used. You have to be free in God to be able to do that and follow up on it. And so the goal of a righteous people, a prospered righteous people, know who they are, not ashamed of who they are, will go do what God tells them to do, who go about doing good. I don't care if it's at your job or where it's at. You know, the very place you want to look nice all the time, that's where the place God will have you, you know, get ugly. You know what I'm saying. Looks undignified in many ways. 
<laughs> no, but you got to get the job done. You got me? If you have the goods, you got to get the job done. So righteous, prosperous people. When the righteous prosper, folks, everything changes. You can change the complexion of a city. You can change the complexion of you've got to know who you are. You've got to know your abilities. You've got to understand these things. And you can't like know them sometimes and don't know them sometimes. You know, you have to know who you are at all times. And God then will will put put you in the path of work to do for him. That's what we want to do. So the righteous, the goal of the righteous person is really to spread the love of God because that's our first commandment to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, neighbors, yourself. Well, if you love your neighbor, you're going to put an end to their injustice and oppression. You're going to fight the devil on their behalf. So much of of our love is demonstrated through the work that we do, through our prayer life, through our devotion to God and to studying the scriptures and to a walk with God, that kind of thing. And so when righteous people prosper, there are certain things that follow from that and manifest from that. So number one, the righteous person who is prospering does good. They go everywhere doing good. They are a people who are able to heal. The anointing has healing power within it. We defeat oppressors. We know who the oppressors are. And in our prayer life and in our words we defeat them. And we we increase the government of God. We increase his peace and advance his kingdom until there is peace all around to all his enemies are made his footstool. Every single one of them. And we have the freedom to go wherever God sends us. We go about. Where is about? It's in anywhere he sends you. And go about your house, go about your neighborhood, go about if God sends you uh, to visit relatives, that's going about. Mm-hmm. They may not think they got devils, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> when the righteous show up, we'll see. Uh-huh. So if people are restricted, they prevail by overcoming by violent means. Mm-hmm. Matthew eleven twelve tells that. Jesus said from John the Baptist until now. In other words it's a New Testament phenomenon. From John the Baptist until now the kingdom suffers violence or allows violence and the violent take it by force. So that means that taking it by force means there has to be a, a, a force Working within the believer to initiate these things. And that's your faith. You you make your confession of God's word. And your faith is the violent force that is able to take and, and, and bring to bear God's kingdom in heaven down here on earth. You do that with your faith. And you don't rest until that thing manifests that way. There's so many half done uh, conquests out here. You know, you know and, and I think sometimes people need to be stirred up to complete the job. 
You know, we can all start praying for things and start believing God for things. But this uh, part of our definition of peace or prosperity really is the same word for peace, shalom. It means to finish something, to put an end to it, and to bring it to a conclusion, to make it good, to get the reward, and to bring peace. King David was not somebody who you could just say, well, I'm praying about it. And he said, where? <laughs> you know, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that makes you go You've got to have some of that in you. Amen. See, the, the kingly part of every believer gets activated when there's injustice. That's your royal. That's not the priest doing that. The priest does what's in the scope of his ministry to do. So you know that you can pray the word. You know that you can uh, take authority. You can bind and loose all of that stuff. That's your priestly thing. But how that's directed in the the intervention to begin with takes a kingly understanding. You have to understand your rulership, your dominion. You have to understand all of those things. Or else you'll be sitting back waiting for somebody to give you permission to pray for something. You understand me? You understand the difference? And I don't think anybody with a sick child waits for anybody to to, uh, give them permission to ask God to come and heal that child. So you have that kingly thing working in you. Everybody has that. Don't let anybody steal it from you with their goofy definition of things. Most of those people say stuff like that don't even have a good prayer life. Or they'd be praying up on their own message. So the other thing too in your authority. Your authority comes to bring restitution and restoration. So we're able then to get back our first estate. And that is the power to carry out the instruction that God first gave Adam and Eve in the garden. In Genesis 1 and verse 27 it explains what that mandate was. What what God told them to do. And they went about doing it until the woman was deceived by constant pressure from the enemy. In Genesis 1 verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. You know that reality was lost to them through deception. In in uh, in the born again experience, it's restored. The first inkling of it comes back to us. Verse twenty eight. God blessed them and said, "You see that over and over and over again. God blesses with His word, and then we believe the word and act on it and carry it out." And it manifests. Got me? He blessed them and said. They weren't just standing there waiting for him to push them to do something. Or go do it. You go do it God and bring us the fruit back. But he blessed them with his words and commanded them to be fruitful. Multiply. Replenish the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion over every living thing here. And so that mandate has never left us. It's just been powerless because of our separation from God. See when you separate from the power source. All the components there but they don't work right. It's just like you know if you've got a a, um, radio that you want to play. If if the batteries are dead it's not going to work. The radio's fine. The parts are all there. But the power source has been removed. And so then we have this counterfeit 
fit power that comes from the devil. It's a soul power. But God has to put a curse on that to keep it from advancing and destroying everything. Thank God for the curse. You got me? As, as long as you're in sin. Listen, if sinners really had their way, they'd never get caught robbing somebody's house. You got me? They, the, the thank God that their powers diminished. The unrighteousness, the power of unrighteousness is greatly diminished here in the earth. We need to be thankful for God. It's God's thinking. You know, if, if parents' words had as much power on them as they wanted to sometimes, that everybody in that house would be a dead duck before morning. Oh, I'm going to get up and trespasses and renegades in my house. I ain't fixing them nothing to eat. You know, they'd starve to death. If, you understand what I'm saying? If you had full power on your words. In restoration, God begins to prosper our words. So he turns the faith up on them little by little. They just restore it little by little. That's why you can't get an instant miracle every time you, you know, be wonderful. People could come up at the altar and you just point and they'd all (laughs) receive everything they needed right away. It doesn't happen like that. It's done by increments. Nothing wrong with anything. It's just the way God chooses to do it. Sometimes you will get instantaneous, but that's not all the time. And so when when God then in restoration, he does it according to our proportion of faith. How much faith are you willing to donate into this situation to see God move? And for the most part, faith has to be ignited by some type of resistance in the human being. You got me? It's stirred up and strengthened by resistance. Because everybody has that part to them that wants to overcome. That knows it has to overcome. And so faith, if it's going to get to the level where God can can honor it and bring what you need to pass, it meets resistance. Sometimes for years. You'll hear sometimes people say, well, I've been praying for this for for a long time, for for God to bless me with that. Well, it's met enough resistance now and it's overcome. We must overcome. That's a part of it. Because there's so much um, of the enemy's plantings in the earth. So they have to be removed. They have to be challenged. And it takes people with that relentless understanding of of the force of God's word that that understanding's got to come to us it can't be a magic thing it just can't be that it has to be by faith and so what when we when we come back into restoration in God then that blessing returns to us because we again begin to walk with God like Adam and Eve did we become become partakers of the divine nature now the righteous part of us then the righteousness comes back into our lives and so we become begun be, become partakers of that divine nature in Genesis 2.15 we see the completion of God's um, uh, character in man man uh, up until that point 
was was easy going because he walked with God. God blessed him and said go do these things. Adam did many things the way God did I believe. He spoke into certain situations that it was so. And then God put in front of the man something that, that would make him I think complete in God or more complete in God. You know if you don't ever have to make a choice as to whether to obey God or not is smooth sailing for everybody but in order for man to be completely like God he put the element of choice in here and in 2.15 the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it and the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden you may eat freely but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die and so we know the rest of the story when that choice had to be made over and over and over again it's like us got to make the same choices over and over again you get lazy about your choices you know you'll slip and not make the same consistent choice it's called sin missing the mark and so you set out to to make the mark and you miss it because you either don't want to do it this time or something like that and it's the same thing that happened to Adam and Eve they just relentlessly did the right thing all the time and through deception they had to to not do it and so that caused the penalty that man has lived in for generations unto Jesus okay until Jesus they lived in that penalty where they were banished from the garden and cursed man was made to live through heavy labor the sweat of his brow so in in redemption though we can do things in obedience to God's kingdom law have our governmental authority again back we're we're prosperous righteous people we are whole and entire and intact in Christ when we step out of Christ that's when we start to worry and fear and take all that stuff back up again and so you you can live one way is the choice is still there see there's got to be that choice factor in there consistently throughout our our lives you make the choice every day to get up and serve God you make the choice now some people it's an easy choice because they wouldn't consider anything else but when pressure comes against life everybody can be tempted and drawn away when the certain kinds of pressures come to them so when the righteous are under authority though we are a mighty army that cannot be stopped and so there's there are tremendous blessings that come into the earth in general when righteous people prosper when they know who they are and they operate in the fullness of their identity and they're obedient to God and they can go and do the things that God tells them to go and do then there is great benefit to all of society all of humanity it's a wonderful thing when righteous people want to do want to do nothing but do what God tells them to do when that's that's in your heart 100% all the time you're not invested in yourself in any way what you get for you comes as reward of your obedience the flow is there see it's a good thing to to live that way to to live carefree and not concerned about anything 
So the church then begins to come alive with the power of God's faith on our words to accomplish our prosperity. So we have it resident in us but we have to accomplish it down here on the earth so that others can get the benefit of it. And that's God's biggest biggest thrust for his people is for others to be under that umbrella of protection, safety, blessing, salvation, wholeness, soundness. That's why he commands us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Don't hold that to yourself. You've got something valuable now. Go share it with all of humanity. And and that's the deal on, on God for us is to to do things that way. In Matthew 6, this is how we we come into this. We come into a knowledge of how God wants us to live. And it's not a grievous thing to us if we can understand these things. Jesus is teaching this discourse on what about me? That's the, 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 the title of this one. Where he tells the people take no thought for what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, how you're going to be clothed. And all of this, he gives them good sound examples. Consider the lilies of the field, the fowl of the air. They don't work hard at nothing. You know, they're not standing in the the line at Filene's basement wanting a $5 dress and all that crazy stuff. You see people, or that uh, say yes to the dress people. You know how they had that once a year sale. Everybody's camped out in front of the store. Jesus said, you don't have to do all of that. You really don't. You realize if there's anything you want. Say you do want the dream dress for your wedding. Do you know God can put that. If you go about doing good and healing. That thing will come to you as a reward. And it might be free. God is so uh, so uh, loving. And so kind. And just, just supernaturally. He'll put things together that way. I remember um, my niece Bridget. Was... Um, uh, she was married well, it's been a lot of years ago 12-15 years ago now but uh, when she she and her husband lived in an apartment building and while they were living there she got uh, pregnant with little Ryan and we know she had to spend 30 days on her back in the hospital because she was threatening to miscarry him and so they left that apartment and the end of the the situation was little Ryan only lived eight days and after that they went to live with her mother because you know they just needed needed that needed family you need that sometimes and that was their need and so in the midst of all of that summing the belongings that they had in that apartment got lost or just you know they I think Raymond and a couple guys went over pack up some things and kind of got it out gradually and eventually you know we don't know what happened to the rest of it but when she moved into her own house several years after that uh, she couldn't find some things and one of them was her wedding dress you know the the gown that she had got married in and so uh, she was doing some traveling for a company that she works for and she was somewhere in Nevada at a thrift store she was in a thrift store in a mall and she walked past the window and saw a wedding gown there and that gown had been made for her uh, Carmen made her remember Carmen made and Carmen always put those little labels in the back of that and she looked at that label and that was her wedding gown where God had preserved that 
for her. And you don't know why God does things like that. But in his great love for us. You don't know what that did to her on the inside. Perhaps all those years she might have wondered where it was. or what. But God at his appointed time will make sure that these things are revealed to us. You imagine holding on to that and putting her in a place where she could see it. What what love? You understand what care he has for us. So those are the things that that make you whole. You got me? I mean, when God does something like that for you, you you should have no doubt. At least until the next time you doubt. You know what I'm saying? But those things are important for us because really. What God has has saved us for is relationship. Our relationship with him is of the utmost importance in all of this. Whether you ever get a penny from your faith confession or what you ever gain. you know you, Once you know you're loved and you know that he cares for you. Then that's 100% of everything. You can live for many many years off of that. You know, you can live for a long time knowing that God loves you and and looking at the great promises that he has. I can remember when I was first saved, they used to sell those promise books where you uh, all the problems that you could have were in categories and you read that. I was so happy at just reading that stuff, you know. I mean, I didn't care if the problem wasn't solved that day. Just knowing God cared enough about me to say I'm going to do that for you. That was fullness right there. You got me? The word will always do that for you. It always bring you back to that relationship of fullness in God. And so when he begins to move on us. To step out and complete these things. Complete our prosperity. Make full uh, proof of our ministry so to speak. Then, then we know even more. The power of God that works through us. So the church begins to come alive to the power of God's faith on our words. And accomplish prosperity when we obey this mandate. And that's in Matthew 6.33. He says don't take any thought for these things. Your father knows what you need. If you you know, don't act like a heathen. Don't act like somebody who doesn't have a God and doesn't know God. Act like royalty. Your father knows what you got a father. You got a daddy in heaven. He knows what you need. He's going to get it to you. But you got to do something else first. You got to first seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. And that's not some little small job. Well, I believe I'm righteous and some come. No, we're not talking about this. This goes beyond the confession. This goes beyond that. And he says seek first the kingdom. What does the king want you to do? Seek relationship with the king. And his righteousness and all other things are added to you. Put God first in all things. Seek him daily. You know I used to think you could go for days without uh, contact with God. And and God began to show me. He said you think you're not contacting me. He said if you think about me that's contact. He said you can't even get up without saying thank you Jesus. You can't go across the floor without thanking me for getting you up. And I'm more thankful the more the years go by. I'm much more thankful. You know, we, he's got a lot of arrogant kids out here too. He don't need to do all of that. Uh, you keep living. See what all you don't need to do, huh? I could jump out of here and into heaven in a heartbeat if I, you know, had my way. 
And so you seek the kingdom and his righteousness. And things are added. He didn't say seek things. You know what seeking things means? That if you don't get it the first time you ask, you're worried about it. It's seeking things. Things get added. And you need to request that he add things. We need to do that. Because if you don't do that, your your contentment ceases. You know, your contentment will dry up. You just be here. And so, uh, you know, I was telling Pastor Shirley, I said, you know what? I said, we need to, you know, stuff we say we'll get tomorrow or next. We need to get it today. <laughs> Let's go about today believing for things and, and uh, letting God bring them. Expand the borders of your tent. That's what that means. Open your heart up to receive more of what God has for you it's laid up for you it's still there and if we open our heart to receive it we'll start to receive those things so don't shut down and shrivel up like some old prune on the inside but keep your heart seeking uh, for completeness in in things in God and not shut the door uh, to any good thing he wants to do for us just allow God to be God and to bless your life. Use your faith to bless your life. And, and all of the things that, that he offers. So then God raises up a people. Who <clears throat> really want what Adam had. That fellowship with God. That righteousness. And that fellowship. Because the relationship is really what completes us. It, that's the whole that's the whole thrust of it there now in religion people want want things without relationship but that's not going to fly and, and God knows it's not going to make us happy and if 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 God were a mere man neither one of you would be happy with that you know you don't want uh, just things with no relationship just to share a home with somebody or have a couple kids together and you don't know how to relate to one another and so you you have to bridge that gap of separation so that you can get whole and complete and entire in that so obeying and understanding our covenant we're able to come into true prosperity that is walking with God and and this is what Adam lost he really lost that fellowship and so that's why in in Isaiah and you start to hear names used for the Lord like Emmanuel God with us and you think well you we used to send Moses up on the mountain just to talk to God so we wouldn't have to face him now he's going to be with us oh my goodness yeah not only with you but in us so Emmanuel is God with us in covenant and in fellowship and in relationship so Isaiah is known as the book of restoration he was the preacher of restoration that's why people love Isaiah you almost read that's almost like a New Testament book when you read it because it's so complete in the way it presents our relationship with Christ so uh, Isaiah wasn't one of those doom and gloom prophets they hate to hear coming they liked what he had to say so God raises up an end time bride who longs to please the groom and is is over herself you got me is you know i'm over that you know, i used to think god was going to do this this and this but i'm over that okay so you're over yourself and the way you're over yourself is in romans 12 in verse 1 we see god's instruction to how to live the blessed life 
and how to live the life of of uh, true prosperity. And he says, <clears throat> "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you really have to know that you're not doing this by your own strength." is not some kind of work you do and and if I do this God's going to be happy with me get that out of your mind bless you he said by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice you're walking around here on two legs but you're not doing your own thing in other words you're living and breathing but you're a sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service considering all he's done for you that's not too much to ask that's what he's talking about here so what is your sacrifice then whatever it is that God tells you to do and you do it consistently this isn't a one time thing until you get so and so and then you run off to the happily ever after this is a continual if you're going to live in continual prosperity this has to be a continual offering on your part and he says and don't be conformed to this world the world is full of works full of me my thing that I do I'm, I'm going to blow up real big I'm going to be the next so and so I'm going to be the next American Idol whatever but he said to be transformed so then there's the, the new birth there's the identity of royalty and then there's a transformation into it we have to be transformed into the identity into the fullness of it and so he's, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind you mean to tell me yeah Adam used to think the way God wants us to think now and we're being renewed our, our mind is, is being charged up like a battery by the spirit of God it's like the Holy Ghost gives you a battery charge in there and then your mind is renewed and it's able to accept what God says about you it doesn't fight it all the time sometimes that old false humility thing will rise up and we want to fight certain things that God has for us and it's all kinds of tricks of the enemy to keep us on a low level of living in our prosperity in God but God so we are transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove so when your mind's renewed there's evidence you prove out the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for I say through the grace given to me that every man is, uh, that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. He says but think soberly because if there's anything really that you can, can get credit for it would be your faith. But he says God's given that to everybody. So you may be top dog in the, in the faith column today but you better look around because there's some more puppies growing up around you that are getting that faith and more. You see what I'm saying? And so he says everybody so just be sober think soberly about yourself. He says we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. So really when when we talk about presenting your body as a living sacrifice it's so that God can bless you and then gifts that are within you begin to rise up 
and be dominant in your life. So that without that living sacrifice operation in our lives the gifts are yet dormant. The gifts are there. They're in everybody. You know, it's a good thing we heard about our, our young sister's gifts today. And so God is beginning to reveal to her. See, that's a blessing right there. To know what God has placed in you. You know the people who are running around still trying to be somebody else because they don't know what God's placed in them. And so when we understand, when we can start to identify these things. Because in some way we please God and he saw fit to, to uh, bless us with that kind of understanding. Then those gifts can be brought out in righteousness. Not in carnality, but in righteousness. So then, and, when, and as we prosper, as we develop, and if we come into a full understanding of who we are. Then those gifts can go forward and bless humanity. I mean the living sacrifice concept is is very important. Very important. You know if God says pray two hours every day you pray two hours every day. If he says don't do this don't do that. If you stay away from these kind of people you stay away from them. Don't indulge yourself in that kind of stuff. Stop doing it. You got me? And so when, when we understand that by the mercies of God you do that. You do it under his instruction and direction. You don't make up your mind what kind of thing you're going to give up for God. You, you understand this isn't some play game. This isn't religion. This comes out of relationship with him. So that we know what we are uh, to be doing. And, and we can allow that righteousness then to, you know, your gift can develop in that. It can grow in that. The word feeds it. Your prayer life feeds it. Your, the Holy Spirit feeds it. And so those gifts then can develop so that you can go about under the full power of God doing good. Those gifts can bless humanity. They can bless your household. They can bless your family. They can bless your neighborhood. They will be a blessing to all because the, the full power of it now is coming forth in righteousness. That's the only way it's any good to God. It's got to be under his control and it's got to be ministered out of that spirit of righteousness. So when we exercise these gifts we allow the body of Christ to go about doing good healing all who are oppressed because God's with us that's the most important thing is God be with us in all of these things and he's not there just going along for the ride he's in charge he's leading he's guiding he's giving us uh, patience and comfort all the fruit of the spirit that we need to carry us through the different operations of God and then we're able to to do the things that God has called us to do so we're going to get back now to what I, I wanted to share with you so I'm going to share some scriptures on you about what happens when the righteous prosper when you, how do you know that righteous people are made some headway and, and you see the prosperity of the righteous in uh, Proverbs you know I forgot to write that down after all that 11.10. Oh, I wrote it over here. I see it over here. 11.10. Now, I had it in the King James, and this is the NIV. I'll read the King James to you, so real quick. And I can tell you from memory what the other one is. And Proverbs 11.10 says, When it goes well with the righteous, and, and the NIV says, When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. 
And when the wicked perish, there is shouting or there are shouts of joy. Now, how does this happen? It happens because when righteous people go in their full authority and know who they are and exercise it on a regular basis, there there becomes a, a shifting in the authority. There becomes a, a dismantling of satanic forces that rule in situations. That old seat of authority is demolished. And the king of kings sits on that throne. Jesus himself occupies that throne again. It's, you, you can't say that apostle so and so runs a city. That's baloney. Come on folks. Let's get real here. He wouldn't know how to run his own life. You know if he didn't have a wife to help him. Most of them. It's a joke, smile, whatever. <laughs> say, oh me, say what pain, whatever, I'm guilty, whatever, but you know what I'm saying. I know my husband wasn't interested in running a lot of stuff. Once he saw I could function and wouldn't give him a lot of lip, he wasn't interested in it anymore. So what can I tell you? But but when when that happens, what we do is we're commanded by God to occupy till he comes. And that doesn't mean he comes out of the sky, but he comes in glory and is able to rule and reign. And we, under his authority, become those people who uh, carry out his mandates, carry out his wishes, all, all of those things. When you pray, you become a part of this. Your intercession becomes a part of that kingly ruling and reigning down here on earth and don't let anybody talk you out of that don't let that be diminished in any way in your understanding because the minute you start thinking your prayers don't make a difference or you need to quit because it hasn't happened something hasn't happened so far you've lost as far as you you lost your identity why would you think that it's not going to happen simply because of time Time should make you think it's more imminent. It does me. I'm thinking to myself, man, it's been so and so. Let's any time, <laughs> you know. It's, uh, it ought to encourage you, the passage of time, because you know what you've invested in a situation. So it says, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. The city rejoices. When I was, uh, I was. Uh, uh, listening to the news in Cleveland I live in Cleveland and we had a situation there where there were some young girls uh, three young girls that we we know of and and were reported uh, in this news report Um, they had been kidnapped and held over 10 years And, and prior to that Pastor Shirley had started cutting out pictures of missing children from milk, starting with milk cartons, remember? And she would, uh, and many of them, their pictures were up in Walmart. They kept a tally that some of the ones that were returned and all that kind of stuff. And so she would go and check when she was in Walmart, check, see who came home, etc., etc. And these children's faces were from all over the country and there were three young girls on the west side of Cleveland and they were added the names were added as well as pictures if you couldn't get pictures names were added and so those names that you see I know a lot of times people come in and see all the lists and piles of prayers that we have with all the names on them you never take those names off because if God called those names to you at one time he's still calling their names he doesn't give up on anything and so 
recently within the last month a house of one of the young girls broke free out of this house where they were held for 10 years and and she ran to a man who was outside and they were able to call 911 the 911 operator even told her she was not that girl because that girl is dead you understand what I'm saying but God you see but God he's able to hold on to these prayers why because of the prosperity of the righteous see if you have really prospered know who you are on the inside you don't quit anything because you know your Lord doesn't quit you got me you know who you work for you have full confidence in him and you know he's not playing with prayers he intends to bring those things to pass but what he has to have is a people down here who also know who they are who will use their gifts for those things I've seen so many prayer groups get started not only in this city in Cleveland they used to send us uh, letters all the time Uh, you're invited to come down for a certain day of prayer I'm thinking well what are you doing the rest of the days come on now be, be normal here and these people are looking to make a name for themselves because they don't know who they are when you know who you are you can pray in a a barn somewhere and know that God's going to come for your prayers you don't have to have a big name with somebody you don't have to be prominent you don't have to have the mayor come you don't have to have all this kind of stuff you know, I've seen people in Detroit. We're going to take over Tiger Stadium. Yeah, now that it's nobody wants it, now why? Why do we have to go in something when nobody wants it anymore? How are we going to take over Tiger Stadium? We're going to go down there and pray. Well, help yourself. But I'm going to be here praying when Jesus comes. You can go to Tiger Stadium if you want to. I don't feel led. I feel to present my body a living sacrifice on a regular basis, so He can get some work done can't get work done if you're not over yourself if you're still into yourself he can't use you for a whole lot taking the glory from him so anyway we put a a story on the internet about it and Shannon was uh, kind enough to find enough pictures for us but one of the pictures that I really really enjoyed was the picture of all of the people that came and stood in front of the house of the girls of their homes where they were adopted from also in front of that house where the police were coming in to, to get evidence and so forth you just saw just rows and rows and rows of people as far as you could see waving the police on the people rejoice when the righteous prosper the people rejoice people want their neighborhoods back they, they're tired of living in the shadows of life and living in these dilapidated homes and nobody cares about them anymore if the police don't even come there if something goes on and so when we understand what righteousness can do what the prosperity of the righteous can do then we'll be more inclined to take God seriously we'll be more inclined to live as righteous people on this earth and not hypocrites doing what we want to do behind the the shadows and, and coming to prayer and acting like we all into it we're going to live for God every day all the time and not be ashamed of it not be slipping and sliding and greasy grace in our way through everything so in Psalm 35 27 it says let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause I mean let them shout let them say continually this is what God means by your prayer it's got to be continual 
Let them say continually the Lord be magnified which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. As a servant of God you can't be 100% totally into it if people are oppressed. That becomes a, a grief to your spirit until you get that prayed through and you hold, hold that confidence and faith that God will come for your prayers and he will answer those prayers. In Genesis 39, sometimes people feel that they have to have things a certain way before they can prosper or they gotta, you know, uh, the, the biggest, uh, uh, trick of the enemy is to get believers or get saints into a work situation you find out the boss is goofy or the boss don't like you or you know something like that well in Genesis 39 you can see as a righteous person that's not an issue for you you don't have to have them liking you you understand what you know what I mean when I say like we think people have to cater to us talk nice to us all the time for us to get comfortable you'll find out you don't need that in Genesis 39 2 it says the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man and he was in the house of his master the Egyptians Egyptians never liked Hebrews you got me and so Joseph found favor there because their their gods were were uh, opposing each other you know sometimes your God don't like my God if you're a different kind of God you know I, I had to go to you know it's funny how God will get you he gets you in situations you go through these changes man I'm thinking I, I when I went to this dentist you know my saga about the dental school so you know you got to pray for everything God let him pull the right tooth I know these are students I don't know if mine study good or not but get, get me to a student and then make his supervisor alert and so I had all that lined up and so I had a tooth and they tried to cap it and it wound up being infected so I had a root canal so a little girl that does the root canal looks Middle Eastern to me you know he's people have certain characteristics so she's real sweet and real nice but every time she went to work on me she had a headache and I'm thinking oh man this is where I met the Lord you know here's another well you know if you're if you're probably Muslim your God and my God ain't like that. They fight. And guess who God's winning is right now. I said well Lord don't let this girl pass out on me. Come on God let's help her out. So in my heart I'm praying in the Holy Ghost asking him to uphold her. And she kept saying I, I think I, I need to eat something. <laughs> Whatever you got to do go do it. Do it quick. Little stuff you gave me is gonna wear off, and you go. You can't afford no headache right now, darling. Do this later. And so I just asked the Lord for mercy for her. You know, just help her and get through this. So she got through it. Oh, I enjoyed working on you. You're such a sweet person. I said, Yeah, I know. Whatever. Until next time. So I had to go through this twice. So before I went in the next time, I prayed and asked the Lord. I said, Oh Lord, if this little girl is not hold up devil go get bad here don't let her and so she was she was much better the last time I asked her how she was feeling she said oh I had I drank some orange juice so I'm feeling very good today so oh, that's good let's get get to it and keep going but you know you you'll see these things you know that that you can be under the authority of somebody that's 
serving a wicked God or believing in wickedness or something like that. But you don't have to fear because God's mercy can cover all of these things. He can get you through, get you out, get you under and over whatever you need. But it doesn't matter who's over you in the natural. You can still prosper. You can still be blessed. The blessings of God don't stop because your boss finds fault with you, don't like you, whatever it is. Because Joseph only could do what the master told him to do. But because he was devoted to God and he stayed faithful to God. And God was able to cause him to prosper. So that's all that matters. That you stay faithful to God. Nobody can stop you from doing that. You can stay faithful. In Deuteronomy 29 in verse 9 the word of God is what causes us to prosper. Verse Deuteronomy 29 and verse 9 Keep therefore the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all you do whatever you know to do right before God just keep doing it just make it a habit be consistent with it and God will cause you to prosper it's his word operating in line with his word that causes us prosperity in Job 36 11 you can turn to it if you like but it says to obey and serve the Lord and spend your days in prosperity and your years and pleasures. So you'll be able to uh, have a life of reaping consistent blessing in God. If you just obey and serve God. In Proverbs 28 <clears throat> it talks about. Proverbs 28. And verse 13. All these rustling pages. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. In other words somebody hide it. Try to make it make like it didn't happen. Or pretend that it didn't happen. But whosoever confesses and forsakes them. Not just confessing like it's not a big deal. Oh, I did that. Sorry. Oops my bad. Uh uh-uh, uh no good. Confess and forsake shall have mercy. See, you have to confess your sins in order to get them forgiven. I, I I was listening to Benny Hinn and he was saying something like, he said, you know, there's this teaching out now on grace. That's why everybody's lapping it up. And he says that people are saying you don't have to confess your sins. But see, if you don't confess, you're in works. The only way your faith gets applied to your life is through your confession. You can confess everything else. Confess I got a car. Confess I got a good job. Confess, confess, confess. Well, we're the same thing with your no-nos. And so if you don't confess and forsake, you're still in your works. You're still in the business of trying to cover them yourself. That, that was the problem to begin with. And so we don't have a sin problem, folks, where people are too busy confessing sins. We got this problem where people are covering them, pretending they're not real, pretending they uh, the devils come up with excuses like this forever. When I was a new Christian, they called it greasy grace. You just grace everything. It's the same thing now. You know, people are 
perverting it and twisting it. I'm not saying some people aren't preaching it right. But the way people lap it up, you know there's some carnality there. The same thing with the faith and, and prosperity teaching. It got to be just a material prosperity. It had nothing to do with your soul. And what happens on the end, that's the important part. You, you can have the world and lose your soul if you don't obey God's word and understand God's word. So don't ever get so high minded you don't have to admit you're wrong. That's usually where people like that will find refuge. People that don't want to admit wrong will find refuge in something like that. You don't need refuge. You need to stay close to your maker. Close to God. That's how you stay close to him. So he who covers his sins shall not prosper. But if you confess and forsake you'll find mercy. God will be merciful to you. And that's how you get forgiven is through his mercy. Nehemiah 2.20 says the God of heaven he will prosper us. Therefore arise and build. So when you know God will prosper you don't have any hesitation in getting out and using your faith and your energy for the things that you need in life. See when you hesitate it's because you don't understand his prosperity. That everything you set your hands to will prosper. That's why the enemy wants to stop us from acting on our faith. He can keep you from setting your hand to something. You know, many times we'll hesitate and you think, well, that's not going to do anything. Well, that's not going to help me. That's, you know, that kind of thing. You have to, you have to refrain from that. And understand if you don't set your hand to something, you don't have anything for God to operate on. You've got an incomplete faith there. Your faith is dead because there's no corresponding action to bring it alive. First Chronicles twenty nine three, Solomon prospered, and all Israel obeyed him. Prosperous people have favor with people who are called to help and assist. Prosperous people have that. I've watched many ministers over the years, and I've seen them struggle to try and uh, put a ministry together, a meeting together. Can't find good help, and I look, and they either can't pay their phone bill, or uh, they got a different cell phone number every time you talk to them. You know, you try to update your files or call them after a year. They don't have that phone anymore. You got me, and so that's lack of prosperity. See, when you have prosperity, you can get people to come. They're drawn to you because your words can bless them, give them life, give them encouragement. And many times people can act only on your word if you're a prosperous people. And in Second Chronicles 31.21, when you do things with your whole heart, you'll prosper. If you hold anything back from God. He won't bless it. He's a wholehearted God. He gave you 100%. He expects us to give 100%. And the wholehearted person will definitely prosper. You've got something on the line there. You know, something God can honor and something that you can offer up to him. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for the day that we've come into your presence to hear your word. We thank you for blessing your word as it comes to us. We thank you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you. Thank you for prospering us in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you. Praise the Lord.